Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Natalie Morales is an actress best known for her supporting roles in sitcoms that have included Parks and Recreation, Trophy Wife, Girls, and The Grinder. She's also done drama with White Collar, an action-adventure with The Middleman. She directed a web series for Funny or Die about James Joyce's love letters, and you can currently see her on the Netflix series Santa Clarita Diet. So let's get to it! So, Natalie Morales, yes. last things first. I was reading your essay in Amy Poehler's Smart Girls, mm-hmm. and I have to ask you, did you really grow up in a garage? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, it was a one-car garage that my uh, grandfather converted so that my mom and I could live there. So Very what is small. it? What did it still look like a garage or no? Um, no, it looked like a little efficiency. So my mom and I slept on a day bed, mm-hmm. which uh, was two twin beds that we during the day used as a couch, and at night would pull out the other bed and rearrange all the pillows, and I'd sleep on one twin bed and she would sleep on the other, and we had a little sort of mini fridge and a little bathroom and a little table and a little TV. And what ages was this for you? Uh, this was probably. From like two to, I mean, I lived there my whole life until I moved to LA, but not in that room. I moved into. Did you make it, it was, into the house at some point? I did when my because uh, <laughs> it was my grandparents' house. So when my aunt, your mom's parents, yeah, okay. So when my aunt moved out, there was an extra room for me, and so I took her room, and I was like a teenager with my own room, which was cool. <laughs> yeah, so I lived with my grandparents there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, whenever I think of people living in the garage, I always think of the Fonz in Happy Days. But that was above the garage. Yeah, I feel like the Fonz probably had a cooler situation than we did. But we made the best. We made the best of it. Did you have a leather jacket? I did not have a leather jacket. Do you now? No, I okay. mean, I I actually this is gonna make me sound real pretentious mm-hmm. off the bat, but I don't buy new leather. I'm like a big animal rights supporter, and I feel that oh, that would nice. be uh, hypocritical. Yeah, if I had a lot of leather, so I'm always like on the lookout for really, you know, for new people who are or new companies who are doing interesting things with materials because fake leather is not great for the environment either. So if you use like recycled materials or vintage leather or whatever, I try to do that so that, I don't know, I'm not being like an asshole to the world. Can I say asshole on this show? Sure. Great. Especially to the world. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) To me, I, to, to me, do. if you say it to me, I'd be offended. Okay, but to the world, to the world, it's they fine. deserve it. I was talking about myself. I don't want to be an asshole <laughs> to the world. I want to be, you know, I don't know, contribute in some way, whatever. Yeah, my plan is I just wear the same clothes until they get holes in them. That's very sustainable. And then my mom tells me, "You need new clothes." <laughs> yeah. And then Santa brings them. Yeah. <laughs> so Hurricane Andrew was that a? Oh yeah, that was a thing. A big deal for oh, you because yeah. you were growing up in between. Yeah, I Miami mean, and Homestead. Yeah, I was in Miami when that happened, and um, you were what seven? Around that, maybe yeah. younger. Yeah, and I and my cousins. So we all. It's my cousins. I'll never forget it. My cousins and me and my uncles and uh, my grandparents and my mom, and we were all huddled up in the house, and we had this sliding glass. Yeah, because you can't be in the garage. No, we had the sliding glass door. 
uh, that was that led to the backyard, and mm-hmm. we had all parked, or my family had all parked their cars back there, and it, all the windows were boarded up. But there was this little sort of peeking hole in the in that between the boards that that we had put up, or between mm-hmm. the aluminum boards that they had put up. I don't remember exactly what it was. My cousins and I were all watching through this little slit, uh, watching the the hurricane go crazy. And my grand, my uncle, uh, my uncle was a gardener. And uh, he had this sort of like, you know, those like Econoline vans, those Chevy yeah. vans that like all gardeners have. Yeah. Um, and we watched that van, the roof of that van, peel off like a sardine can in real time and fly <laughs> away. And we were freaking out. I think, you know, it, like if I remember serves me correct, when I have seen those vans, like mm-hmm. the edge, the edges sort of rust. Do you know what I mean? Like okay. the, the, it's sort of already. Sort so there's of, a weakness there. I, at least there was in the 1992 model or whatever model. Mm-hmm. That, I think that was an older model probably that he I had. I wonder if well. like the VW vans use that in their advertising. Look at this Econoline. Yeah. And now look at the VW. Yeah. It, it peeled away like the top of a can and flew away. And I think it ended up in some neighbor's pool. Was that the worst of it for for you guys? Um, for my house, yes, thank God. Um, uh, yeah, where my dad and my stepsisters and, and my stepmom lived, which was further down in Cutler Ridge, which was closer to Homestead, they hid in their bathroom, and that was all that was left of their house. Which oh, my was goodness. Bananas. Yeah. It was crazy. It was a really intense hurricane. Yeah. I remember driving around, and it was really, really bananas. I mean, I grew up in Connecticut, but I remember... I mean, I distinctly remember that one because they just showed the overhead, the aerial footage of Homestead, and it was all wiped off the yeah, map. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Was that the worst hurricane slash storm you had to grow up with, or was there anything um, else that affected you more? Me personally, more? <laughs> yeah, or where you were? Yeah, I, yeah. I have. A, I oh. hesitate to tell it, but. Uh, <laughs> Were you in Key West doing something? No, I hesitate, I hesitate to tell it because my mom doesn't know this story because she, oh. would, she would have killed me at the time. But um, so Hurricane Katrina hit Miami before mm-hmm. it hit New Orleans. Right. Um, and I surfed a lot at the time. And when you surf in Miami, uh, the times that you surf, because it's flat otherwise, mm-hmm. are tropical storms. And Hurricane Katrina, I believe at the time, was like a tropical storm that was headed towards Tallahassee or Gainesville. Right. It wasn't until it hit the Gulf that it strengthened. Yeah. Well, it wasn't until it shifted south and hit miami that it strengthened oh, okay um, <laughs> you know better and then than it I. strengthened even more when it hit the gulf it okay. got it got way more powerful which was sort of odd for a hurricane at that point um so my friend and i went surfing mm-hmm. i i think i was like 18 or something like that and um and i remember it was this beautiful day the waves were great it was a little windy but it was like oh this is awesome and i guess we didn't hear the radio or we didn't listen when it came back down so i remember going under the water coming back up and the sky was like black and the wind picked up really 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 hard how far out were you um i wasn't that far out but i had a longboard and trying to maneuver with that in the wind and i didn't have a leash for it um it was not fun this is a long story do you want to hear the whole thing it's an insane please insane story i mean we know that you lived through it so that's good. Uh, I barely lived through it. What? I, I almost died a lot of times that day. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, okay. So the yeah. so we're like, I look, my friend George is across the ocean, basically. <laughs> Not across the ocean, but way far away. And we sort of look at each other in the distance and like wave to each other like, we should get out of here. Right? <laughs> and so we see the people on the beach. Everyone's running because, it. I mean, it switched. It like, it really switched. So... 
We try to get back. There's obviously a rip current. I'm trying to get back. I I get tousled. I get like completely thrashed around in rocks and coral. I had after that, I had bruises all over my body, tiny bruises from rocks and sand pelting me as I was trying to get out. And so I finally got out. I'm shortening all this because it's insane. But um, I finally got out. George gets out. And our car is parked like further down. He's like, hey, wait underneath this awning of this hotel and I'll go get the car. You wait with the boards. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so we are with the, I'm standing there with these two boards. By the way, I, I shortened the, the, the time between getting from the beach to the awning of the hotel with a longboard. That was not easy <laughs> in like 60 mile an hour winds. That was really, really hard. So I finally get there and there's people in the hotel who are looking at me through the window mm-hmm. and sort of waving at me and going like, what are you doing? Get inside! And I was like, I I didn't know what was going on. I don't think anybody did at that point. They probably did more than we did. But Mm -hmm. we were just like, oh, this storm's a brewing. It's getting real bad. (laughs) So George gets the car, which was this little hatchback thing. And we go down the highway and we can't see anything. It's really bad. It's We lived sort of in Kendall, which is about, Mm -hmm. with no traffic, it's 40, half an hour to 40 minutes from the beach. So he he lived in Kendall, and I had moved to like Cutler Bay at that time, and um, which was further south. And so we are driving home. The radio doesn't work. We get to his house. We lived with his mom at the time, and and it's nice there. It's starting to rain, but it's nice there. It hasn't it hasn't hit. And right. Miami Beach is further north than that. So I, for some reason, the logic in my head was like, oh, this storm because it was going to hit Tallahassee mm-hmm. is further north. I will be safer at my own house further south. <laughs> So let me get in my car now, mm-hmm. get go south, and, sure. and escape this storm. Not a great idea. <laughs> um, I had a Maz. I had like a 1993 Mazda MX-3 Ooh. hatchback that was that I had bought from like my my fuzzin, my fake cousin. Um, <laughs> fuzzin? Yeah, that's a word. Uh, it's like you know when someone's not blood related, but mm-hmm. you grew up with them. They're your cousin. Yeah, it's like my fuzzins. mom's my mom's best friend's kid. Okay. Uh, my fuzzin, who he had like lowered it and like put like cool lights on it. So it was low to the ground. Mm-hmm. One headlight was working. It, it was one of those with like the electric seatbelts that, you know, that <laughs> zip up as you get in the yeah. car. Yeah. And so I get in that car I get on the turnpike and, uh, and it's, and it's bad. It's really bad. It's so bad now that I can't see anything except for one car in front of me which i'm following with my i can't see the lines on the road i can't Mm -hmm. see anything and i'm following it with my life because the rain is so bad that it's just you're driving through a wall and it can rain that bad in florida yes it can it can so you're not thinking necessarily thinking oh i knew it was bad at that point like i was like that was the worst rain i'd ever driven through in my life so i couldn't see at all and it was starting to get dark it was it was nighttime as well and there was no, that I could tell, the that, yeah, I could tell that there was no other cars in the road. I couldn't see the lanes. I couldn't see anything. That car that I was following disappears. And so now I'm, I'm by myself. My phone isn't working. Um, and I, and I, and I'm trying to, I can't see signs. I can't see the road and I'm on a turnpike. I can't see anything. I can't see any other cars. And I somehow, so, so you know how, um, at least in Miami, the turnpike it's a flat land so sometimes it goes over some major roads and sometimes the major roads go over that so sometimes there's big hills and sometimes it goes underneath right um this i happened to turn off a big hill on the so i I got off the turnpike not on the road i off-roaded i tumbled (laughs) off the side of the road 
I somehow I could see grass and I was just like do, 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 mm-hmm. going down the side of this hill of the turnpike. I somehow corrected, got myself back on the turnpike. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, that was narrow escape number four. And then and then I got I finally saw my exit. My exit was coming and I was like, thank God. Oh, thank God. And so I, I go this exit. I'm trying to explain it in a verbal way for your <laughs> podcast listeners. But uh, so, OK, so if if the road goes if the turnpike goes over the major road, then you have to sort of the ramp goes down and then you you go under it. You okay. know what I mean? The, it's not the, traditional the, clover leaves. It's uh, yeah, the exactly the it's it's side to side uh, ramps that go down, mm-hmm. and then you would go under the turnpike to go on that road, right? Uh, right. So so the main road is lower than the turnpike. Right. So I finally see my exit. I get off, and by the time I go down the ramp, there is about three to four feet of water <laughs> on the road. And you're in this lowrider MX3. Yeah, uh, and there's other cars that I see there that are stalled and abandoned. Mm-hmm. My car starts to fill up with water um, <gasps> completely. I was in college at the time. All my homework and papers and flip-flops are floating up. My mm-hmm. seatbelts, my electric seatbelts are going... Wah, 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 wah. My, my CD player is pushing a CD in and out. All the electrical stuff in the car is going crazy mm-hmm. and i was like gotta get it under the bridge so i drove through the water i got it under the underpass and then it shut off obviously um and then i was like okay i look around it's nighttime there's no mm-hmm. one around it's 65 mile an hour winds i see palm trees flying and i'm about a mile and a half from my house and i'm like i can't use my phone I'm alone in a hurricane that I don't know any details about. I know it's a hurricane. Uh, this is a hurricane. Yeah. I, I can tell at this point. This is a hurricane. And I'm like, did the water recede though? Or yeah, well, the uh, so so the it like dipped where I was was mm-hmm. the deepest. It didn't recede all the way. It receded like a foot, but it filled my whole car. And then when I got under the underpass, it was a little higher. Okay. So I was able to like it was one of those things where I opened the car door and all the water okay. fell out. You were able to open the door, though. Yeah, I was able to open the door, but I was stuck there, and I I sort of had this fight-or-flight thing going on. Right, because you're a mile and a half. I'm like, I'm right there. I I think I'm going to die if I stay in my car, you know, in a hurricane. Like, I think I'm going to die. So do I walk home? Do I, is it safer to walk in a hurricane? What kind of runner are you? I, I was a pretty good sprinter. Okay. And I was like... I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I do. And and I and I decided whether intelligently or not. I don't recommend this. I don't condone this. Please, no one listen to what I am saying and do it yourselves. But I decided to walk home. Walk, not run. Yes. Well. Well. Run. Okay. Do, do what I could. <laughs> walk very carefully and yeah. Okay. I wasn't leisurely walking. Right. I was just, <laughs> just for a stroll. I'm saying that I was trying to get to my house on foot. Okay. Right. I get about a block in. By the way, I'm wearing like was, tiny board shorts and a bathing suit top. Uh, and I have all my phone in my hand. Are they flip-flops or what kind of shoes? Yeah, flip-flops. Yeah. yeah it's not running it's not, shoes. It's not running shoes. That's what I, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I, I get out of my car. I make it about, I don't know, half a block down. And this minivan pulls up to me and the wind lowers its window. By the way, it's still pouring rain. Mm-hmm. My phone's gone at this moment because right. it's it's uh, wet. wet and not working. Um. And so I had decided to just leave it in my car. And uh, and this woman rolls down her window. She's like, hi, which way to the airport? <laughs> and I was like, hi. <laughs> I was like, the airport is closed. You're in the middle of a hurricane right now. And she was like, oh, it's just that we're coming from the Keys and our flight is supposed to leave today. And I was like, listen, 
you have a high vehicle. My car is that one over there. I live about a mile down the road. Mm-hmm. If you want to take me home, you can stay with me and and wait out the the hur- yeah. yeah the hurricane. And she like looked around, looked to the back seat, and she was like. Okay, but I have to warn you, I'm traveling with some people. And I was like, it's fine. Let's just let's just go. And I get in the van and it was a field trip for adults with Down syndrome. And there was about it was a 50 like it was like 10, 10 adults uh-huh. with Down syndrome who had no idea what was going on. And this one woman who was probably about 25 who was in charge of all of them in, in, a, in the middle of a hurricane in a foreign place. It was crazy. So, so we you- all went home mm-hmm. and I lived I lived with my ex at the time. Okay. And. I like opened the door and he was like, oh my God, where are you? What's going on? Where were you? And I was like, I, I brought some people home. <laughs> they saved my life. I just got, I'll, I'll explain everything later. Mm-hmm. And so we all came in and we watched Along Came Polly because uh, my house had just been built. So at that time, uh-huh. the newer houses in Florida buried their electrical lines. So, so I, had, I, had, I had power. Um, so yeah, we watched Along Came Polly, and I remember that night taking a shower and like looking at my very bruised body, mm-hmm. cut up, completely bruised, and being like, what the fuck just happened? Like, this is the... Cr- I couldn't believe that it was real. And then the next morning when I woke up, they were all gone, and they just left me a little thank you note. Oh. And, and I don't know who they are or what their yeah. names are or anything, but that's what happened. Wow. So yeah, I had a worse experience than Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> How was Along Came Polly? It was good. I remember it being very good. Yeah. <laughs> At least it wasn't Blue Crush. Mm-hmm. Or Perfect Storm or something. <laughs> yeah. That would have been bad. Yeah. Do you think Blue Crush was accurate in depicting um, the, the plight of young female surfers? Is that the one? With Kate Bosworth? And yeah. Yeah, I think so. Michelle although I think the culture Rodriguez. in Hawaii was much different than... Right, than South Florida. Than South Florida, where there was no... There was like three of us yeah. that surfed. Okay, so you were still in college at the time. Yeah. And you went to U Miami? No, I went to oh, FIU. FIU, okay. First, I went to um, uh, Miami Dade University, and okay. then I went to FIU. All right. Yeah. Because Wikipedia says. <laughs> uh, I went to a, I went to a workshop at University of Miami. Maybe that's what you're thinking of. Well, there was something there was something on your page that talked about a, a minority Dow Jones media scholarship. Yeah, I did when I was like. Thir- so as a journalist, thir- I'm, I'm yeah. When I was by that when I was thirteen, I. I sort of won a scholarship based off of some writing that I did mm-hmm. and, and did a like an internship where we made a newspaper at UM. Oh, okay. It was crazy. I was like 13 and it was like co-ed and we stayed in the dorms during the summer when no students were there and like I discovered Google. <laughs> I was like, what's Google? It was a crazy time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first time anyone discovers Google is crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'll never forget it. Do you remember what the first thing you Googled was? I don't. It might have been something related to my article, which I don't remember oh. what it was about. Oh, God. I think it might have been about Hanson. <laughs> yeah. I, might, I think it was well, about Hanson. That makes sense. In yeah. 1995. 90, yeah. That's. Yeah. yeah. That's. And you're 13. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Hanson. Yeah. Um, how long. Was that a brief uh, dalliance with journalism or did you. No. Think I, about that more I've seriously. I've always been a writer and I. And I. Yeah. I always thought about. I, I had. Um, I had dreams of starting my own magazine when I was a kid, and I started a when I was in the theater department in high school. I started a, I started an anonymous, uh, an anonymous newsletter 
that everyone knew I operated, but people could contribute anonymously. Oh, and it okay. was basically just like dish. <laughs> so it was like Gossip Girl. It it was kind of like Gossip Girl, but not pre iPhone pre. Yeah, but it wasn't about gossip. It was it was about like people could contribute how they were feeling about I don't know. It was very sort Ooh. of teenagery. How they were feeling about life in general, mm-hmm. and and it was that's important though. Yeah, and but I got told to stop it. So they were like, "You can't do that. You can't run an anonymous like newsletter." Anyway, uh, yes, I did love journalism, and um, I, I've always liked writing. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you know, as you, as you read that thing, I've yeah, I've been doing more and more op eds whenever I get a chance to, and whenever someone cares to hear what I have to say. <laughs> Um, uh, and so I, I do enjoy that. I do enjoy, like, you know, I enjoy writing, I enjoy writing scripts and mm-hmm. and stuff, but I do also enjoy just writing something like a piece about. Right. In that essay, you, you also mentioned that you joined drama club freshman mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. So obviously you knew at an early age that acting was going to be a part no, of your life. I no, I actually. That I, was just for fun? No, for it, it was a surprise for me. Um, so I, I went to, um. I wanted to be a lawyer uh, when I was going to go to high like school. Like the grinder? Yeah, like the grinder. I got to do it. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> what kind of a um, lawyer? I wanted to be a criminal lawyer. And then I found out that like I would still have to defend someone if I thought they were guilty. And that really oh. turned me off. Uh, you could have gone for the prosecution. Yeah, but then I would have to prosecute someone even if I thought they were not guilty. Oh. And I see? Yeah, it's a conundrum. See the conundrum. It's a I dilemma. was like this is not a good job for me. I would have a problem with that. Hmm. Um, so, but anyway, I, I I was I got a scholarship to this magnet school for law that worked on a lottery. Well, basically it was like if you had the GPA, then you could then you could apply and then you could I had no idea there were magnet schools for law. This was a magnet school that was for a few different things. There's okay. one, yeah. Um and so Anyway, yeah. one of their programs was law, mm-hmm. and um, and so one summer I was on vacation with my aunt, and they uh, they told me my aunt my mom was back home, and she was like, "Hey, you got it accepted, you got the letter, it's all great." So I get back home, and I I'm like, "Oh, I got to tell them that they spelled my name wrong." So I called the school, like this was like two months before school started, and they were like, "No, we didn't spell your name wrong. We met Natalia Morales. We just got the address wrong." So some Natalia Morales went to the magnet school for law, and uh, and I had to scramble the last minute and just go to my like local high school, right? Okay. And because I didn't know anybody, a single soul there, and I didn't know anything, and I was about to enter this huge school. It was a huge public school. I was like, let me just take some summer school classes to try and get to know some people before the big school, right? So I went there, and I was like, I'll just do some electives. I'll do photography and guitar. I know guitar, and I've always wanted to learn photography. And she was like, the guidance counselor or whatever was like, uh, oh, sorry, someone just took the last space in photography. You should try drama. It's fun. And I was like, okay. And so I took drama that summer, and I loved it. We made a movie that summer, which, good God, I hope no one ever sees. <laughs> I was just going to um, ask if it's on YouTube. Oh, my God. It's the f- worst thing. Uh, but it was fun, and I'm, I met people that I'm still really close with today. And it it you know it sort of showed me that I could I could – like people could laugh at me on purpose like i could make people laugh at me instead of having that happen just like i could control like i could control that and i could i loved comedy and i didn't i never thought of it as a job but i i liked i would do magic shows when i was a kid for my family and i'd set up a bunch i I liked producing things i like making things sure and i never really honed in on what that could be and then that was the first glimpse that i got of it so they asked me to you know keep doing like the teacher asked me if i if i would come back for in the school year and i was Mm -hmm. like yeah sure and then the more i did it the more i i fell in love with it 
What productions were you in? Um, I was a terrible actor, so I didn't get cast oh, in much. Okay. Um, I did my first play was California Suite, um, which was really fun. Um, but I like I did, I did a crew work on like Your Good Man Charlie Brown mm. and a bunch of other stuff like that, which was really fun. Um, and then I I left that school when I was a sophomore, so I was it was I only did two years there, okay. and then I I went to this. Um, dual enrollment situation where I went to college and high school at the same time so I could get my college degree by the time I graduated high school. So that's what I did. That's when I went to Miami-Dade. Oh. Huh. Yeah. What were you in a rush for? Oh, you know, I don't know. Just why not? <laughs> why waste time? Bring life on. Why not have your, you know, your two-year degree by the time you graduated high school? Sure. Seems easier. Yeah. And then I read somewhere that you did stand up in Miami before very briefly, and I you was went to really LA. bad at it. What what prompted you to explore that path? Um, I think I was a little drunk, and <laughs> uh, like a thing, uh, like some open mic thing. And my friends were like, "You should go do stand up," and I was mm-hmm. like, "Okay." And so I did it, and it was oh, I bombed like like crazy. And then I was like, "Well, I can do that better." And then I did it a few more times and didn't tell anyone at the improvs or where. No, at like oh, God, I can't remember what the name of that place is on South Beach. That did it at just random little places that would have open mm-hmm. mics where I knew nobody would come, and it, and it wasn't good, but it gave me a good idea as to what I needed to get better. I think I I've thought about doing it again recently. Um, well, who hasn't? Who hasn't? Everybody's getting in stand up comedy oh, these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you were trying to were you trying to to reenact that that feeling you you had in, early in drama club where you realized you could make people laugh? You had that ability. I think I. I think at that point, I was a little too cocky about the fact that I could make people laugh. Because <laughs> so I was like, this is going to be easy. I mm-hmm. make all my friends laugh. Let me get up on stage and tell the same kind of story I tell my friends yeah. without honing it in at all and uh, and perfecting it and <laughs> making sure it's a joke that lands. Oh, that didn't work. Now what? Yeah, now what? So it helped. Gave me okay. a little kick in the ass and went like, you're not that funny. You should work on this. How old were you when you made the move to LA? I was 20. Yeah. So it was probably just after. Was it because you survived Katrina? You're like, all right, <laughs> no. this is a life-changing thing. Um, Since I'm still here, I need to do something with my life. And <laughs> Hollywood is it. Uh, I mean, I always thought that. But I, I think at the time, and, and sort of, you know, I'm not going to knock anybody for saying this, but I knew when I graduated high school, I knew I wanted to be an actor. And I wanted to be a filmmaker. I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, and everybody around me was like, yeah, but like maybe have a plan b like Mm. maybe have a contingency plan just in case and i to appease them and sort of appease the voice in my head that was listening to them i I went okay well i'll learn i'll go to school for for theater i'll go to school for acting i'll learn it more which can't hurt right Mm -hmm. and then i'll also at the same time get a degree in education because i had been i had been teaching for a little while I'd, i'd gotten this job as a permanent sub uh, at a at a charter school, a permanent sub is like somebody who's who is just the on call person. Right, for so when, you just kind of float for everybody. Float for everybody. So I was like always there, and sometimes uh, if a teacher, you know, like a teacher was pregnant and had to leave for a month, I taught third grade for a month. Which, and this was in Miami, or it was in Miami. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, I like teaching. Mm-hmm. I like kids, and so I was like, all right, I'll do a a double major in theater and education. And if all else fails, you know, those who can't teach, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll just teach it somewhere. Yeah. And then, um, the school I went to, while there was a lot of really good parts about it, uh, at FIU, um, 
they, at the time, I don't know if it's like this anymore, took themselves a little too seriously and, and thought that they were a conservatory and didn't want you to get any outside work until you had graduated and were ready. So, for example, I booked a commercial and they didn't want me to do it. And I was like, no, I'm going to make money. Right. And, I'm, and if I booked it, that means I'm ready. That means right. someone thought I was ready. So what, <laughs> what does that mean? And so there was a little bit of tension there. And also at some point I realized, I was like, oh, God, if I want to learn acting, like why am I learning it from people teaching it in Florida? This is a terrible idea. <laughs> and I had just met um, my best friend who has become my sort of comedy partner. We understand each other fully. This um, wonderful person named Serena Fialo. We do a lot of stuff together. Okay. Uh, and she and I both kind of were all constantly looking at each other from across the, across the classroom being like, oh, God, let's get at it. Like, well, this is – and so <laughs> – We're better than this. Yeah, thankfully, I convinced her to move to L.A. with me, and, uh, and we just kind of left because we were like, oh, we can't waste another moment here. This is dumb. What are we doing? Did you do the commercial? I did so, the commercial. What was it for? Oh, God. It was for CVS Pharmacy, and I, it was in Spanish. So it was Spanish. national? It was in Spanish, so okay. I don't know if it was national. It might have been national. Yeah. Because um, it could run on Telemundo or And I was Univision. like a slutty teenager. It was so funny. It was like uh, I played the, – the, here's the thing. Here was the, was the commercial was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, CVS had just bought out Eckerd's and like other local pharmacies. Sure. Um, and I think other pharmacies around the country. It might have been regional. It might have been – I don't know. Um, CVS is national. And so the, the, com- the commercial was basically – the idea was now that CVS owns this place, the pharmacy is way faster. And so La Farmacia. Yeah. And so my the the plot of it was that I call my boyfriend, I'm like, My mom just went to the pharmacy, so she's gonna take forever. Come over. And then by the time he gets there, my mom's there and I'm oh, like because Oh, Adios I- Mio. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> and it turns into a, and, and that's the commercial. So, did you see it air? Yeah, it was very exciting. It was my first commercial. It was great. So you had that in the bag when you moved to Hollywood. Yeah, so I had that. Yeah. Did you have any? Did you and Serena have more of a game plan when you got there? Um, I think we thought it would be a lot easier. Uh, or at least I put that thought into everybody's heads. I have a lot, I, especially when I was younger. I had so much bravado. I still do, I guess. But I just was like. Oh yeah, this is gonna work. Like this is gonna, this is how it's gonna be. And I thought it would be a lot easier than it was. I, I, I did book my first audition out here. My first audition was for a McDonald's commercial, and I got that. And so like after I got that, I was like, ah, piece of cake. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. <laughs> and that McDonald's commercial probably yeah. paid enough to s- subsidize your first year. Right? No, 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 no. They don't pay that much anymore oh. at all. Um, but it was really good. Mm-hmm. It was, it was an, a maybe the biggest check I'd ever gotten at that point. You know? Okay. Which it wasn't a lot at all. I think I'd only worked, you know, really sort of minimum wage jobs up to that point. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, we we had a plan of attack that that then got formed by just like living in L.A. and and figuring out stuff really that you have no idea about, like really understanding that you are very green and that you have no idea and that you there's a reason people put in their time. You know, some people have it. Some people have have those wits about them really early and can and can do that i did not i'm i'm thankful for the time i had to put in but it was a lot of hard work how long did it take you to stop feeling green oh god i still feel green in a lot of ways yeah um i feel i feel a little less green these days i feel a little more accomplished and a little more set like i know what i'm doing but um i think it's good to feel green i think it's good to feel like you have more to learn you know how did how did you cope with that that 
transition process where you're like, oh, this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be? Um, I think, again, bravado. <laughs> I think I was always just sort of like, this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be, but I, I'm – I. Like I'm gonna fake it till I make it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in the rooms I need to be in, and I need to do the things I need to do, even if I, um, even if I don't know what I'm doing. For example, uh, this is a story. <laughs> this is makes me look real bad, but I'll tell it. <laughs> um, so I have I have a really bad memory problem, which is not great as an actor. Right. Um, I I think it's contributed. They don't have teleprompters on the set. No. Um, I've 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 learned how to do it. Um for dialogue pretty easily and uh, because I can I'll memorize a whole scene and I and I'm good at it and once we're done it is gone from my head I do not remember it anymore I have, I have just a really bad I, I guess medium term memory mm-hmm. um, it's just really really bad so I had a big problem with monologues um, and when I was auditioning for theater I had such a huge problem with monologues and that's what you do. You go in and you do one Shakespeare monologue and right. one whatever or just one monologue, whatever. That's that's the bag. It's a monologue and it's just you talking for three minutes. And I would get so nervous. Um, I think it's also due to that, that even if I practiced it and learned it at home, really knew it, mm-hmm. by the time I got there, I'd get so nervous that I'd completely forget it. Completely. I'd just stand there blank and not know what was happening. So in, in the, in the following the thought of fake it till you make it, just, just get it done. Mm-hmm. Just go there. It was, I think I, I put my industriousness above my craft at a lot of points in my life to just help me get to where I needed to go. Um, I would go, okay, I know theater people are pretentious. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to invent a play and, perfectly with all confidence say the name of the play and say the author and they're going to pretend that they know it because that's what theater people do they're going to go oh yes oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and i'm gonna fucking make it up and that's what i did and that's how i got roles i got cast in a few plays by completely making up had you had any improv training no um but i i would go okay i'd read the script mm-hmm. and i knew what it was about so i'm like this is what the this is what the monologue needs to be like i need to be I need to be this kind of woman. So I just make up a very similar story about mm-hmm. that, that needed to get me the part. And I got it. So you, and I don't you, know, like maybe that's, is that bad? I don't know. I hey, got, it worked yeah, in La La Land. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. You pretty much did what Emma Stone does at the end so of La La Land. So I did it first? Oh, damn. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe they ripped off your life maybe for they that. Maybe they did. For that script. Um, and that's why Moonlight won. Yeah. Yeah. Miami. Um, yeah, but that was a different part of Miami. Thing, yes, or, it was. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, d- I mean, that's wow. That's so, things like beha- that's behavior like that. That's is sort some bravado. Of, behavior like that is sort of what got me through, and and I don't, I don't necessarily condone that. It seems sort of dishonest. <laughs> right. right. But the, I, I the subtitle like, of this episode is "Dead of the Morales." Don't try this at home. Don't try this at home. Yeah. I, I just mean that, like, I knew that if I got the part in the play, mm-hmm. I could do it. Right. I just couldn't do this audition part. And I knew that, too. And I was like, how do I get around this? So that kind of attitude uh, and that kind of, like, will power. That's to also just ambition. Get yeah. It's, it's that it's that idea that, especially when I was to younger, come up is, with what, a plan. is what got me through stuff, you know? And, like, I went to all sorts of weird auditions and did all sorts of weird things and just tried to, like, I just always tried to, you know... Was auditioning for the Groundlings easier then? Because it's not a mo- you don't need to. I didn't audition for the Groundlings. Oh. You took classes there, though? yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so I guess I did. I guess you do have to 
audition to to take classes to take classes i just didn't think about it that way um yeah because it's improv yeah yeah it's much easier i can do i can do a monologue now (laughs) uh that i'm a lot more sure of myself Mm -hmm. but it's still very hard and i and it's so much i can do a monologue no problem if i'm in a scene and if Mm -hmm. we're doing it with people in the situation but alone and in front of people cold it's so i cannot remember it it's very i get so much anxiety um and, you know it's the kind of thing right. where i blank out and then i leave the room and barf and i can't and so i knew that about myself and tried to right. find a way around it. well i mean you know the the nightmare situation for any stand-up comedian is that they're just walking around and someone asks them to do their material yeah just on the street or at the laundromat or in line at the grocery store well, they like, can, i can't what? they can tell them to you know fuck off right. which is good <laughs> But you can't do that in an audition. No. No. You're no. expected to know right. Shakespeare. So what was your first pilot season like? Oh, man. My first pi- – I can't remember if my first pilot season – I guess it was before uh, – pilot season traditionally is January through, like, May, mm-hmm. right? And it's sort of gotten warbled now. But, by, but when I first started out, I auditioned for the first TV show that I did that I was a, a regular in. Uh, it's called The Middleman. And I, I was sort of like the co-lead in that. And I auditioned for that. It was on ABC that. Family, which is now Freeform. Correct. Um, and it aired before and after The 700 Club. Ooh. Just once. I don't know how anyone saw it, but somehow <laughs> we've built a nice cult following, which is great. Um, <laughs> I, I auditioned for that in November, so it wasn't really pilot season. It was, mm-hmm. like, it was like before. Um, and it was really intense. There was a lot of monologues in that one, and I learned them. I learned them, but I had just gotten this. So I have a tattoo on my forearm, and oh. I had just gotten this tattoo not that long before that. And I was like, "Oh fuck, why did I it just self sabotage? Like, right. why did I move to LA roles. to become an actor and get a fucking giant tattoo on my arm? That's so dumb. What did I do that for?" So I went in, and I was like, "This character is sort of cool." So I I had these like <laughs> gloves, the, these long sort of fingerless striped gloves that I was like, "She's cool and edgy. This will right. work." And sort of in the middle of the audition, they're like, can you take off your clothes? It's the middle. It's L.A. in like October. It's warm. Please take those off. And I was like, oh, but, you know, I don't know. Makeup's makeup's fine. Everyone has tattoos now. Back then, it was a little harder. uh, And I was very self-conscious about it. But, yeah, again, like I was just trying to like find ways around my own uh, own shortcomings (laughs) to advance myself in some way. How does how does pilot season feel now? After after being it's like through nuts. the gauntlet on several shows, yeah, it's nuts. It's insane. I mean, I am really lucky in that I've really lucky in that I've someone decided to put me in a few shows. Like right. a few people decided to do that. So pilot season for me at the moment is a lot easier than for a lot of my friends and a lot of people who are way more talented than me, and a lot easier than it was for me before. Um, but it is. It's a total gauntlet. It's you're going to three auditions a day, and you're memorizing ten pages for each. So it's you're literally memorizing thirty pages a day, and 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 trying <laughs> to make any of them good. Like mm-hmm. it's awful. It's the worst. And you're sitting in a room with everyone who looks just like you, and and is you know who you've seen and stuff. It's it's not cool. It's really how awful. many people are there who look like you? Are there a lot? Yeah. I, I've become friends with people based on the fact that I just see them at auditions over and over <laughs> again. Yeah. 
I really have. Do you carpool to? We don't carpool, but we're like, hey, audition. what's up? <laughs> like, I, I literally have. I, Janina Gavankar is one of them. Okay. Uh, we yeah, used yeah. to see each other at uh-huh. auditions all the time. Anjali Cabral is another one. We okay. see each other all the time. Ginger, um, what's her last name? Gonzaga. G- Ginger Gonzaga. She's in that. I know that because she's in the new uh, Showtime one that's about comedy. Yes. I'm Ginger and I see each other all the time at okay. auditions. So it was it just, and especially at pilot season. So we'd always like it. it it's kind of nice because it's. It becomes, at least for me, not right. competitive, and we're just like, "Hey, girl, what's up?" We're <laughs> just like, "Here we are again." I saw yeah. you at the last thing. I literally saw you at every last audition I had. Here we are vying for the same thing yeah. over and over. Yeah. Do you ever like have like side deals with people? Who go, you can have this one. <laughs> no, because <laughs> or, you never I'll know, the, man. Which like, one's going to be the one that's, that sticks? That, and you never know who likes you better or who likes them better. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like we're the same exact person. I think we all have sort of different brands but people sort of lump i think casting directors go oh ethnic girl who's sort of brown and who, who can handle you know dialogue and funny material this is this group you know and we all fit into that but our yeah. our sort of vibes are all different okay yeah and you also directed a series for funny or die yeah what was the impetus for that was that something that people brought to you or is that no, something God, that no. you were like oh you know what <laughs> no. there needs to be a web series of james joyce's love yeah letters. yeah i um so i direct and i've been wanting to direct more and so i one late night on reddit i was down a reddit hole and i found james joyce's actual real 100 percent real historical documents yes uh real letters to his wife his wife's letters to him were lost but his letters to his wife were found in a book that she kept and they are a hundred years old. They're from 1909, more than a hundred years old. And yeah. they are, um, insanely filthy, like just <laughs> insanely so disgusting that, mm-hmm. um, that by today's standards over a hundred years later are still disgusting. Are still not safe for work. Are still so not safe for work in any way whatsoever. <laughs> in fact, and so I used to read them at parties mm-hmm. uh, because I thought it was fun. Yeah. And then I, one day I was like, you know what? I need to, I need to get my like actor friends to to like dramatically mm-hmm. read these. And so for Valentine's Day, I was like, I'll do five of them. We'll release them the whole week. I went up to Fun Your Die and I pitched them this idea mm-hmm. and they let me do it. And I got Dave Foley and Michaela Watkins and Martin Starr and Padgett Brewster and myself to read them. And the only thing I edited was I took stuff out to make them shorter. That's it. Wow. <laughs> and they are 100% real uh, and r- so gross. And it made me so happy to put them out into the world. My mom still hasn't watched them. She's like, I'm not going to see something where you say disgusting things. Well, she could watch uh, one of the other ones. They're all disgusting. Right. All but then it's not the- you saying Yeah, them. but she has You're only no in interest in that. But yeah, okay. they're, they're, I, I like them. I recommend you watch them. They're good. <laughs> They're yeah. evergreen. Yeah. yeah. I think they're evergreen. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, you know, at this point in your life and career, you probably still have some bravado because you made it this far. What? <laughs> yeah. I think I do. I try. I try to keep that. Have your goals? Gumption? Have your goals? Moxie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. You have both of those. Very Mary Tyler Moore. I watched a lot of that when I was a kid. So that was a good goal. Yeah. What are your goals now? Are they different? No, I think my goals are the same. They've just, I mean, honestly, I could die happy as far as like what I've done in my career. I think. Well, let's not do that. No, I I'm, I don't necessarily want to die, but I'm very. Like, I mean, I, just I feel, because we have a government that might kill us all. Yeah. Don't yeah, no, encourage I'm not, them. I'm not encouraging it. Okay. I, I'm, I'm simply saying that like 
I I achieved way more I, at this point in my mm-hmm. life, which I still think is fairly young. Yeah, I've achieved way more than I thought even possible. You're Generation Y for crying out loud. Is that what I am? I think so. I thought I was a millennial. Well, I th- maybe I just they might like have changed myself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I've achieved way more than I thought was even anywhere wait, you near be a, possible. Wait a second, you want to be a millennial? I mean, or you just want to be young still? I think both. Why not be a millennial? They're changing the world. It's great. I think I do count as a millennial. Is it? Millennial, I'm a Generation Xer, so is it millennial? I, I, have, aid, like, I have a little. Any ki- people who were kids in the '90s? That would be me. Okay, just saying. I was five in 1990. All right. Um, but your goals are... Yeah, I think my goals have just expanded mm-hmm. a, upon what they used to be. You know, I didn't I didn't think it was possible to be where I am. So now I'm, I'm expanding what I think is possible. And so my goals are, and I'm working towards them, mm-hmm. is to just continue to create my own content and film, you know, like film and TV and just keep making stuff that I am proud of and keep creating things and giving opportunities to people who I think are great and, and, you know, making really good stuff that I think is good for people in the world. And, and some of that stuff is completely useless. <laughs> like, I, you know, I did a, a video for Funny or Die right after the election that has no point in existing whatsoever. It's absurd. It's completely absurd. It's, it's amusing of my own that I had one day when I was in a car where, you know, that song, um, always something there to remind me. Yeah. Uh, by Naked Eyes. It's a cover, but it, that's the song that got really famous. So there's this part in that song, there's this keyboard part where the the keyboardist is like, uh, it's like, always something there to remind me. And then it goes, na-na-na-na, right? Yeah. yeah. And so in the car, listening to that song like six months prior, I was always like, isn't it funny in my head, I was like, isn't it funny if that is that guy's only job? It's <laughs> just, oh, just to play. <laughs> and he just has to wait the whole time in that song to just right. play that. And so I was like, right after the election, all my friends were kind of depressed. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to rent a studio. We're going to take five <laughs> hours. We're not going to talk about the election. And we're going to do something so stupid that means nothing. Mm-hmm. And it, and the only its only purpose is to bring joy to us and joy to whoever watches it because it 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 makes you think about nothing else for two minutes. Right. And so that's what I did. So even if it includes, I'm not saying I'm going to, I plan mm-hmm. on doing only important work for the rest right. of my life. I plan on doing a bunch of different things. And um, that's, that's the goal. Well, I applaud you for it. Thank you. I usually ask people to give advice, but uh, based on our conversation, I... My advice is don't do this at Yeah, don't, so. <laughs> don't try it. <laughs> but bravado and gumption and moxie. Yeah. It's worked for you. So. Has anyone ever said a man has moxie or is that just reserved for women? I don't know. I mean, there was a there was a there was a uh, there was a tonic, a, a soft drink called Moxie, that my grandmother loved. Really, up in Boston, but, but it was I feel horrible. like I've never heard like it was horrible. That man's got Moxie. It's always a it was always a girl, right? It's a female thing. But we live in a gender non-binary yes. world now, so yes. so I hope to have some Moxie. Good. I hope to be inspired I by you, you to have yeah. some Moxie. Yeah. Thanks, Natalie. Thank you. <laughs> This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. 
things first. 